Welcome to Wrestling and Everything, Coast to Coast, with your host, Buddy Satello Esquire, Mike Leno, and Evan Ginsberg. Mike, do you want to introduce our guest for tonight? Yep, I know she's been on before, and I called her my little sister for the first time, but I've known this beautiful, talented athlete, actress. She does everything. Uh, she has her Botanica soaps. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, that we'll talk about that we've had her on before many times, but we want to talk and celebrate. We uh, Evan broke the news when uh, Matilda the Hun passed, and uh, we wanted to talk to Jeannie Bassan about her uh, because you know they were always together, all of those uh, those guys, and uh, I would see him in Vegas yes. annually, and they supported, and and we as you know overall wrestling, a big family, small in the scope of things like uh, our San Francisco uh, Niners uh, handily meeting <laughs> and going forward. Uh, but uh, Jeannie, uh, before we get into your soaps and all that, I, I do want to say uh, uh, get well because you blew out your back today for those wonderful cats that you re you saved. Shasha and Lala, are those Hollywood names as in Shasha Gabor and maybe uh, Jiminy Glick? Martin Short's <laughs> terminology for Hollywood, Lala Wood. Where, where does Lala get her name? Yeah, just Lala is just, it's perfect for a beautiful cat. Just Lala, like Lala Land. I don't know. And Jaja for Jaja Gabor, because this cat, I looked at both of them, and they're beautiful, and they're sweet, and they were little kittens, and we saved them. So they they deserve beautiful names. So Lala and Jaja, plus those are cute names. Well, so amazing, and that's the way to, uh, to get loved extra family members go adopt them save them rescue them from a shelter don't go to a place designer place and buy them a breeder no that that's fantastic that you uh, that you did that and uh, thank you ev uh, let me ask your thoughts too on glow because i know you and i for me in the la market it was on saturdays you know where Jeannie. i'm pretty sure you were born and raised here burbank. in you know, burbank yeah. all right burbank, i was right yeah. nearby for a majority of that, when I wasn't in Westwood, then I re went back to Los Feliz, Griffith Park. So, you know, right next. Nice. nice. You know, I've never asked you this, and, and then I'm going to throw to Evan, is like, when you were a kid, what were your, I don't know if you've ever answered this, because I know I haven't asked it. I don't think Evan's asked it the many times we had you on our <laughs> show or this one you've been on. But when you were a kid, were you more athletic, more show busy? What, what did you see yourself as being when you grew up? That's a great question, Coach. As a kid, I didn't see myself in the beginning doing sports. I saw myself wanting to act. So I'm asking mom and dad in elementary school, hi, I, mom, dad, I'd like to do commercials. I'd like to be in movies. I'd like to give an Academy Award. I, I, I'm asking all these questions. Nobody said yes, nobody said no. And so I figured, well, I played a lot of sports on my uh, street, lots of boys. So I played sports with them. You know, I can play with my sisters anytime, but the boys were more competitive. And um, I think that is so. So there was lots of sports in our home because my father was our coach. Um, I played softball for his team. I played scholastic uh, softball in high school. I lettered uh, uh, in softball and I played scholastic volleyball. So there were some sports um, a lot. And when you are the daughter of your of your father, who's the coach, oh my gosh, you're getting you have to be even better. You better you can't just give 100 percent, Mike. You got to give 110 percent because dad will be all over your ass. 
you know, and he would because I pitched, I was first base, shortstop, second, third. I love third base, by the way, loved it. And then if you put me outfield, I love center field. But here I am going over to the right field, going over to the left field to grab all the balls. And, you know, I, I, I enjoyed playing sports as a kid. But the acting part I always had in the background. Um, and I figured, well, you know what? After school is out, I'll go do my own thing, you know, with or without mom and dad's blessing. So your mom wasn't dragging you to children's nope. casting calls and stuff like uh, Tony Dow the, from the Leave It the Beaver show, who Evan and I interviewed years back, oh, or cool. many yeah. others. And let me let me start you. Let me just read this very quickly about. And I guess she had some different work names, at least in wrestling, but she was way more than that. Matilda the Hun, just one of those yes. worker names. But it says Dina. Did you pronounce her name Boer? Boer. Deanna. Boer. An American actress, pro wrestler, and roller derby skater. I did not know. Was maybe she was on yes. the T-Birds. You can answer that. She's known for her appearances. Yes. With a coarse glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling is Matilda the Hun, as well as her appearances in films such as Brain Smasher, A Love Story, and Mel Brooks' Spaceballs with Joan Rivers. So, Ev, let me uh, throw to you. She passed on January 7th. And I remember the last few years that you and I saw her, she was stuck in a wheelchair, but she did not lose her spirits. Really friendly, sweet. Uh, not in the rest of the ring where she was a killer, but... Uh, she was really a sweet, great lady. lady. Let me Absolutely. throw and if everybody remembers she was gigantic, big, big, big. Six well, four. Basically, I would just ask, um, what did she mean to you? And tell us about your greatest memories of her. You know, what whatever you'd like to say. Oh, that'd be great. So the first time I met uh Deanna. Um, was 1985-86, and we were just getting ready to take our show, which was a pilot, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, to Nappy. For those who don't know what that is, that's syndication for TV. So uh, David McLean and uh, Matt Simber had chose four girls to help promote this in New Orleans. So it was Matilda the Hun, and I was just like, oh, my God, do I, am I going to wrestle this lady? Uh, Tammy Jones, myself, and Americana. So I met her um, when we were going to New Orleans. And boy, I got to tell you, you could tell she had been seasoned and been doing this for a long time because her rap, and I don't mean her rap as in rapping in songs, but talking to people and, and going back and forth with Mountain Fiji was just like that. Boom, 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 boom. And you, I mean, when she was talking, there were no loss of words. She just kept going. Um, so uh, that's when I first met her and um, beautiful lady. And I really, the, the cool thing about it is myself and my tag team partner, Vine, Janet Bauer, we were her second. So every time she went out, not every time, but most of the time when she went out, Vine and I would be her second. So one of my favorite matches with Matilda is the um, Gestapo match. Now we're Germans, we're supposed to look like Nazis. And, and um, we're going against Americana, Little Fiji, and Mountain Fiji. And we all went shopping together. So we went we had, we had, went to Los Angeles, even though the show was in Vegas. And we went to this prop house that Matt took us to. And we literally, they told us, pick out anything you want for this match. Thinking on the lines of Germany versus America. So there was whips and there were chains and there were, oh my God, you guys, I, I can't even... 
Evan, I don't even want to like repeat some of the stuff, but you, you know how terrible. And of course this was season one or two and we got away with everything. Yeah. By the time, yeah, we did. The censors were, we got away with all of it and we're singing that Deutschland. I don't even know the song. Yeah. There I am. This, I'm a Catholic, you know, you know, <laughs> I don't know anything about the German Deutschland, Deutschland. And just with Fiji, excuse me, with uh, Matilda behind us, I posted some photos last week of that match. Um, it's crazy. I mean, you know, and having Matilda there, like I said, very seasoned veteran, legend, icon. You know, I was proud to be um, her second, you know, good lady. So I was really interested in finding about a little bit more about your background and what exactly inspired you to do wrestling. I know you you liked sports, but why wrestling in particular, especially because <laughs> right. it was so physical and you just hurt your back picking up some some cat food. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> ironic. Bag of cat food from uh, Costco. Oh, like, okay. That would be hard for, uh, you know, anybody. No, I just, you know, I, I look, I broke my hip falling down the stairs, getting the garbage. And then last year I broke my shoulder between times that we were talking by tripping over my kid's scooter. So I have nowhere to, to but I look back on like, I wow, I was power bombed and clotheslined and choked. I didn't hurt myself then, but I hurt myself with the most mundane things now that you're older. Well, as we all know, I have been wrestling for over 30 years and I still do it. So I'm still falling and landing. So, um, you know, again, you got to cut that out. It's it's it's, gonna, it's catching up. I love it. It is unbelievable. Up, but um, but I did not aspire to be a wrestler. I wanted to do some acting. But what had happened is there was an agency that I was with when I was doing my day job, which was drawing blood. I was a phlebotomist at a medical facility in Burbank, California. And I just happened to do some extra work with some friends one time, and I had to get with this agency. So the agency started putting out um, all these casting call messages, and I answered it. And I'm like, wow. They didn't tell me it was wrestling. They said, can you come to an audition for a sports show for television? I'm like, okay, I've played many sports. What could it be? I, I know what thinking when you're 21 years old, you know everything, which you don't. Um, I got to the audition and David McLean was up there telling us this sports show was about wrestling. And my eyes got huge. My jaw dropped. I'm like, wrestling? Oh, my God. I don't know anything about wrestling. My grandfather does. I'd watch it with grandpa back in the day. But, you know, I didn't think twice about wrestling. And so I went down to the interview. Mondo Guerrero was training everybody. So I trained with Mondo. They weeded out. All the ladies, they needed 12 people, 12 girls to do a pilot. Guess what? Hollywood was one of the 12. So we did the pilot and I did all four seasons of um, our show. There you have it. It's an amazing story. To, uh, yes. to uh, the reason we have her on, though, let me read what this says here. And when you go to her uh, IMDB, that of course is uh, Matilda the Han, Queen Kong. One of the very first photos that comes up is you guys with her. So it says she had her first uh, foray into pro wrestling before GLOW by organizing amateur mud wrestling shows, performing as the mass character Queen Kong. After California's Gaming Commission barred her from wrestling men, which I guess she was doing at these shows, her first pro match was against a 700-pound bear. So bear. ties yeah. in for <laughs> wow. Jeannie uh, lifting that 40-pound uh, sack today, which is probably like hey. Lee. 
And you guys, she has, she has a bar. Oh, that 40 pound sack. That's not an easy. This is funny. I have to, I'm going to go back real quick and then we'll, I want to tell you something. The 40 pound bag, when I went through the checking line, the guy goes, cats. He goes, I buy those. I have four cats and I buy that bag all the time. And I'm, we're talking about this bag of, and he, he mentioned how heavy that it was. Anyway, back to Matilda with the bear and, and wrestling the men and the slamograms. She has a book. She has a biography that. Um, she has she a book? Wrote. Really? She does. Yes, she does. And um, there are photos of her in the ring. It's, oh, it's crazy. I think one of the girls posted her with, um, with that bear. And of course, she had a loving, wonderful husband, Ken, uh, that she called Poopsie all the time. And I had met him. What a nice man. They were a great couple. They were always laughing, always smiling, always having a, a good time. And so for those who didn't get to work with Matilda, you guys don't know what you missed, you know, because those you can't, those were fun days. Those were great days. It was a, a great time, Mike, and you know this, to be alive in the 80s, you know, yeah. just music, everything. I was sending you links to, well, I'm going to send you some links. I was uh, yeah, talking your ear up in that email on 80s music, but it says that she teamed with McLean and Simber, and so she puts you over here because she helped with the casting, recruiting, and even training uh, people. I guess she must have assisted Mondo uh, for the, the Glow Show. But she says, now you correct me, this IMDB, it says she also wrote the song's theme song, the show's theme song. But, but that was like kind of... Well, that's uh, Raw Meat. There was Raw Meat that she did. There was a couple of people with the music. There was a man named Harry or Hank. Hank, D I don't know how to pronounce it, D-O-U-N-G. It's not Dong. It's, it's a, I don't know how to pronounce it. But he had written a lot of the music uh, as well in the background. So you'll see his name on uh, the credits as they go up. But she was responsible for raw meat. That was raw meat in the ring to scare kids, which she said she enjoyed. So I guess she liked being <laughs> a sort of a Halloweenish monster. She was a great heel. Great, great Did you heel, ever, Mike. when McLean left, um, she left with him, I guess, after the first two years of GLOW, le left to go to POW, Powerful Women Pow. of Wrestling, right. uh, in Indianapolis, which is where McLean started with Dick the Bruiser as a, a, right. a, a gopher, and then I guess he announced Bruiser Bedlam, that that was the TV show. Did you also leave and go to uh, POW or no? I forget. So, at, okay, yeah, so when I left, well, when season one and two were over, uh, there were girls going somewhere else. I went to Japan, actually, and I did some um, modeling in Japan. And at that point, I'm like, I am only 22 years old. Do I still want to keep wrestling? I'm like, I want to live my life. I want to go party. I want to go enjoy this. I want to have a boyfriend. I want to do stuff because during that day, there was a, uh, we, we definitely were on a short leash. Let me tell you, you could not do a lot of things if you were caught doing drugs everyone talks about this drug thing so maybe people were doing drugs behind the scenes but if you were caught doing anything you were fired immediately and i know the ones that were fired immediately for doing it um but uh we had curfew at 12 midnight and i remember coming home at three in the morning and man did i get in a lot of trouble for that but there was a good reason why uh, and I'm not going to discuss it here, 
maybe in my bio one day. Uh, but um, but yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> you gotta use you gotta use my photos. We've been talking about photos in other people's book. Uh, definitely, please bug me for photos uh, throughout your career, all the decades, will, decades will, I've known you. It says also, and I'll get this is the final thing. I'll go to Russ and Evan. She learned her signature uh, big splash move. I thought she was going to say from Haystack Calhoun here in the U.S., who was the first touring attraction before even Andre the Giant or Dusty Rhodes after him, etc. But from uh, watching British pro wrestling, big star over there, Big Daddy. He was a big, huge name, as Evan knows, from his trips to England as well. I love um, it. Jeannie, let me just ask you, and I'll, I'll throw back to the other guys. Um, I, I can't remember her in uh, Spaceballs. What what role did she play? Because there was Mel Brooks, there was uh, Rick Moran. Bearded lady. I think I think it was the bearded lady. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay. And and 1989, Mike, listen to this. She was in the Aerosmith video, loving the love and loving an elevator. You know that. Wow. Right? right. Yes. 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 Carrying a dwarf on her shoulders. I guess. In the Aerosmith video. Uh, okay, guys, I'll throw back to you, whoever wants to chime in. So great, lady, we just want to celebrate. That's the point, really, of tonight's show, me bugging That's right. uh, Hollywood to come back on the show to celebrate the life of Matilda the Hun, Dee Boer, very, very sweet uh, lady. And she was at the that San Diego thing, too, with Nicole Bass, Evan, when uh, Jeannie and Cheryl had me come down there. I didn't know who was going to be down there you know, it was a little bit different environment for me, but Nicole Bass and her husband uh, were there as well as, uh, you know, uh, Matilda. Everybody was there. Yes. Yes. Uh-oh. Sorry. No, no sir. We still got your audio. Oh. Now, uh, now I think we lost Jean. Hold on. We for... lost the... Let me go and try to get her back. So, Ev, I thought that would lead into I'm maybe sorry. you talking about your... your there we are. Yeah. Ev, Ev, Jeannie, Evan, uh, you know, knew... Sorry about that. Well, even better than I did. And I was great friends with her and, and Bob, her husband, her late husband. But Ev, you did so many things to help her out. He was there at her deathbed, uh, et cetera. Yeah. There's Speaking... Since, since Mike brought it up, um, yeah, I was with Nicole Bass uh, the very night before she died at the hospital. And so I want, I want to ask Jean, uh, you know, you, you mentioned you were 21 years old. Your whole life is in front of you. You have all these exciting opportunities and experiences and travel. And then, you know, 30 years kind of goes like a blink of the eye and your friend is gone. Your friend is gone. So what, what does this tell you about friendship? Um, you know, to me, you know, yeah. you really you have to seize the moment because I lost six friends during COVID, six. And, um, you know, you never know one day to the next if somebody's going to be here or not. No, you don't. So you need to live life to its fullest. And you know what? We should not sweat the little things, right, people? This whole social media and people behind these cameras and behind these desktops, I think it's changed a lot of people. Um, and it's sad, you know, uh, we live once and you're so right, Evan, you lost six people. I lost my uncle to COVID and he, he shouldn't have died, There's, you know, and he couldn't get the vaccine because he was on that waiting list. Remember in the beginning when everyone had to wait? Uh, well, him and my, yes. And so he died early 
because he got it in May of 2019. Would that be correct? 2019. Yeah. So the friendships that we have and, and, and the friendships, fun thing about glow. I remember I did all the four seasons and um, as far as with me, I think that for the most part, everybody got along really well. I know I got along with everyone. Well, there's little, little things here and there. It seemed like later on is when things got, I don't know. You know, when things get, when people get older, I don't know, maybe you get bolder or louder or, but it's not worth it. You know, at the end of the day, you just, I even reached out to someone that I haven't talked to in a very, very long time, but it's the thing that you do. You know, if somebody passes away, you give your condolences. I mean, that's the way I was brought up and raised. Aside from anything else that you may not get along, but just to reach out to someone to say, I'm really sorry for your loss is, you know, you be the bigger person. That's what, if more people would be like that, wouldn't, the, wouldn't, wouldn't life be better? You know? Of course, of course. Russell? Um, well, you know, I, I just wanted to sort of change directions a little bit and, and mention how fabulous you look. You haven't, you know, uh, even with the, the, the back injury, you, you look fantastic. How have you managed to maintain this incredible level of fitness and and beauty over all the years. That's what you were known for as Hollywood, and that glamour continues on even today. So <laughs> you're very kind. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you. You know what? A lot of it is what you eat and what you don't drink and what you don't smoke anymore. I, I mean, I I try to be healthy. And then I have mom and dad who are still alive, and I think it's genes. I have really good genes. I, I've always been thin. Always, I've never really had to worry about any weight, so I'm just lucky in, in that respect. But I love to work out. I will be honest, I haven't been to the gym in three weeks because it's just so bad here that I'm like, nope. So I do a little weights at home. But once everything gets back and this COVID thing that's happening right this minute is, you know, I, I can't wear a mask in the gym. I just, I'd rather just be outside doing my exercise. So water, that's a good thing. See that right there. I don't know, try to eat right. And I go to bed, I'm terrible, I'm an old lady. Right now it's 9.30, I'm cool with you guys because I'm talking to you, but boy, at like 10.30, I'm, Mike, you're up, I know that, but uh, I, I'm, I'm asleep. Oh, my, my groceries are coming, finally, I ordered groceries before it snowed, and they said my groceries were coming, and I've never done this, you guys, I only ordered groceries because it was $1 for delivery, and Kroger is like Ralph's, uh, you know hey. Ralph's, Mike. Yep. And I'm looking and he's they were telling me that my my um that my groceries would be here at ten o'clock and it is nine thirty PM. So anyway, I'm just looking. Ryan will go down and get them, which is well, plus your uh, your significant other is a a big rock star and we've talked on various private occasions about music and stuff. But yeah. uh, tell us a little about him because I was thinking I about love, emailed love you him. when I heard that uh, Paul Stanley a kiss uh had did a lot of great charity work for scleroderma and some other diseases that took the life of Bob uh, Saget's sister. And Bob was real instrumental. And those two, I forgot, I think it was uh, Paul reached out to him. They didn't know each other at all, but they became like brothers, you know, very close because uh, Saget was a real giving person and, and, you know, would break away from the comic stuff to be serious about helping raise funds for 
you know, a brutal disease. And I think that's cool. And and you see, yeah, in in music and comedy together, people uh, doing a lot of good things together. So does your significant other, uh, I mean, that's got to keep you safe too. He probably has a crazy schedule with practice. Yeah, he does. So Ryan, Ryan uh, is a guitar player for Ace Frehley's solo band. He's also the guitar player player for Gene Simmons solo band. So when Kiss isn't together and Gene does his thing, Ryan plays for Gene and uh, the Ace Freely gigs are starting in March again. So, oh, Mike, you should come down to uh, uh, the the Greek. They're playing the Greek, the, the Greek uh, April 22nd, I think. Ace is going to be. It's outdoors. So, uh, safer. It's outdoors. Maybe you could come if things are safer. Yeah. Uh, but but he's good, and Ryan, like you are, is a huge music historian. Um, Did he know that the supergroup? Because they're very they're not well known. Obviously, Cream and like Robert Palmer with Duran Duran and stuff like that. Those were better known supergroups. But this these were guy precision uh, guys. Players. Yeah, and and they're when you put those guys Ryan together. Ryan. Yeah, you have music, but you also have these clashing egos because everybody wanted to run this group. They only lasted like two two studio albums and a live one at Budokan in Japan. And uh, but then the funny thing, because on their first album, I told you they did this song that didn't they had no intention of, you know, it didn't mean anything to them 30 years. And so they decided to mend fences after 30 years and go back on the road, you know, obviously to make some money. But they were still crack musicians and then boom two of the band members died and uh, including the lead singer who i told you he said this was kind of cool that he played in this group the super group uk to enjoy music and express himself but he did asia where he was the lead singer to make the money to support doing the more serious uh, more complex dense music as he put it and I, I, that's right I, I didn't read that to him yet, but I'm going to because it was kind of long and he was watching the Buffalo Day. So, yeah, so I will make sure that he. But the funny that. thing is that lead guitarist, and you can hear him if you listen to any of those tracks. I'll send you the links because I don't know. You may not go to yeah, it unless please I do. Those. No, I, but when you have Clapton and Jimmy Page and Keith Richards and others saying this guy is the greatest guitar player ever, you know, right next to Hendrix. And not that many people know the name of Alan Holdsworth, you know, so it was called UK for a reason. All four of these legends were from, you know, the UK. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's just so when I got those Bose headphones for Christmas as a gift, (laughs) my friend Alan Parsons group, uh, Alan Parsons project, but the 70s stuff, the early 70s stuff he did. And then I put on UK. I just I wasted a whole day just listening to music, no wrestling. Because music is far more important to me, but and I'm sure it is to you guys. I love music. I think that's another thing that keeps you young, Mike. I think and Evan, and it makes music being Ryan being in the in the business and me loving it since day one. The kids next door had a band. They were older and they would rehearse outdoors. I would be the first one up on the wall looking over, watching that band play. And I think, you know, and I became, that to me was live music in my backyard. Here's the band. I thought they were the Rolling Stones. You know why? Because they were doing covers. I didn't know they were the Rolling Stones. (laughs) I didn't know what covers were. 
Next time I see a bit of hope, because I went and got them the day they came out. Remember when Kiss, all four of them, released solo albums together at the same time? I got them all, whatever year that was. We did too. 77, something like that, 76. Something. Brian knows that by how I got downstairs. And uh, yeah, I love Kiss. A lot of that music that we love and cherish, 60s, 70s, 80s, some of those songs you couldn't play today or you get deleted. uh, Like Kiss's, I'm. What is it? I'm 63, 64, and she's 16. Is that the name of that song? You couldn't blame that today. Uh, no, 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 no. That's funny. That's very funny. Very. That's, what keeps you, that's what keeps you young. You got to keep going. I think if you stop, that's when you die, guys. I hate to say it like that. You just got to keep going, keep going. I say that to mom and dad. I want them to exercise more. They're getting older. I'm like, please. I go, okay, this is what you do, mom and dad. If you can't go outside because your ankle's bothering you, mom, and you're not getting, it's not working, whatever this thing that you're doing. When you're watching TV, could you just sit up like this and do squats? I make them sit up while they're watching TV you on need the commercials. To I put my mother-in-law on uh, this show on PBS. It's called Sit and Be Fit for Seniors. And I swear, Perfect. this woman's 95. She wouldn't do anything. And now she's doing Sit and Be Fit. Ev- I, before we let you go, because I know okay. you have to go. Your groceries just arrived. Evan produced has a long history, not just with wrestling and the arts, but music. He was booking clubs. Ev, tell, tell us about that, because I remember when they were our Oh, sp- I'd like we- to hear that. Yeah. I was I was a club booker down in legendary Greenwich Village, a few blocks from Electric Lady Studio where Hendrix recorded. I know where that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the heart of Greenwich Village. And for three years, I booked the club. And one night we had Latin music. We had hip hop night. We had a hip hop night. The hip hop artists would come in. I'm telling you, we never had one problem, never had one fight. We didn't even have security, okay? So, so the whole myth that hip-hop equals violence is nonsense. And I... Bullshit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And every once in a while, my mom would come down, and she was in her 70s at the time, speaking of, speaking of elderly moms, and she was a jazz buff, and she would listen to the hip-hop artist and go, this is like jazz. They're improving. This is great. You know, this I is a 75, 80-year-old woman. You know, so it was a great experience. Unfortunately, um, Sandy came in, you know, the the big flood and put us oh, out of business. Yeah. Just put us out of business. Yeah. Was it, it was Gizzy's, right? Was that Gizzy's, yeah. 16 West That's 8th Street. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I just I just love music with all my heart. And one okay. of the... Tell her, tell her though, because I, I want her to hear it from someone else so she doesn't think I'm bullshitting. When I brought Grace Slick on, because she had, yeah. was doing more artwork, she hit on me. I told her I had a major crush on her back in the yeah. 60s. And then she started hitting on me, like, yeah. well, why don't you come to my place here in Malibu? But Grace Slick, that song, is it White Rabbit? Just in a, yes. another movie, which was like... Uh, uh, one of these video games, a violent video game, but that song, it was just so perfect with the imagery and the stuff. I mean, she is still one of the most powerful female rock rock goddesses of all time. I, I still love Grace Slick. Oh, I'm I still love that. I need, I need, when I, I remember when guys, that song came right on 
Jeannie's too young to maybe not to, to know KHJ, but that was my station. I know KHJ. KHJ. That's our station. I am not that young. KHJ, 93 KHJ. Hello. She remember all the DJs when they started. Robert W. Morgan, 6 to 9. Sam Riddle was noon to yep. 3, okay. etc. The real Don Steele, 3 to 6. But right. White Rabbit debuted, at world, it had its global debut at KHJ, uh, and, and as did other. Uh, Jefferson Airplane songs. And, and we had that station on, and that's another thing. Mom and Dad always had music on in the house. So 93KHJ was always on in the morning before he went to school. It was on all the time. We went on our road trips. It was in the car. And then, of course, you have to go to different stations. Another thing I wanted to tell you, last Friday, I watch a lot of uh, movies, classic movies, movies on Turner Classic Movies, and Rock and Roll High School. Yep, I taped it. I taped it. I did, too. It was so good. <laughs> Well, it's not a black and white classic. It's not a Bogart type, type yes. classic. But. No, it's a classic, though. And then the film that came after it, uh, Eating Raul, it had the Mary Wernoff, who I thought was in. Was she in Rock and Roll High School? No, I don't think so. Okay, I don't but know. I don't was PJ, PJ Souls, those were my two yes. crushes in the 80s. PJ Souls and Mary Wernoff, who was uh, actually an Andy Warhol. Oh, maybe maybe Mary was in there. Maybe Mary was that. I think she, she had a small... the, uh, principal. Would she play the principal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's her. Yeah. She was also in some other movie where she was a lady wrestler. I mean, she did quite a few stuff for somebody coming out, like Nico out of the Andy Warhol. uh, Yeah, Yeah, Evan, what did you want to say? I was just going to say, Gene, we know you're in pain and we know you have a delivery. (laughs) Why don't don't you plug whatever you want to plug? All right, doll. You guys are awesome. First of all, I have a soap. It's a side gig. I love my wrestling and everything, and I love making um, soap with no preservatives. So I brought, I looked, I have one to show you. Look at this. Oh, this is this is cherry oh. cherry bang right here, cherry bang. Um, but I love. I've been they all smell and work wonderfully. They're like professional, professional, the highest all, level. Thank you. Yes, here's my beach, and um, but it's called Hollywood Botanica. I spell it with a K. And you know what? I just one day wanted to find out how do you make it? I don't want preservatives in. I want something that feels good for your skin. So that to me is just a side gig. It's just something I love to do. If I get off the road from a convention or doing some wrestling or whatnot, I don't want to go out. I want to stay in the house and make my soap. So I do. I, I um, that is something that's kind of very cool. Also, I have a new uh, comic, a wrestling comic wow. that John Crother wrote. This yeah, is we- John we know John. We've had him on the show. Yeah, yeah. He's so nice. I love him. And he loves you guys, too. He's so Check this out, though. I made sure that they did the first original. Oh, your blur is on. It's, it's a little blurry. Oh, it is. Because you have the blur effect on. It just got, guess covers your face, but everything else is looks like it's censored. Blurry. We're not censoring it. But she's fixing yeah. that. The website is Hollywood and then... Capital B O T A N I K A. Yep, HollywoodBotanica.com. But why anyway, you, why don't you try to get on Shark Tank with the with the uh, soaps? You know, it would be fun because if you don't, even, I I don't know. You just made me think about that right now. I did think about it actually. I mean, even if they even even if they say no, the publicity is unbelievable. It's true. Just saying you're on Shark Tank is yeah. enough yeah. to make people money. All right, let's, I know because there are some stupid inventions and I'll watch it and go, they just did that, but what a way to advertise for free. Exactly. And your background yeah. will make you a, a candidate. They'll want to just talk about 
you know, Hollywood, having Hollywood on the show. Well, the way oh she God, could sell it, too, she could, behind her, she, they could open up the curtain, and there's the, all these sweaty, smelly wrestlers who've just had a big, huge match, and they need to soak down. Perfect. Up and, you know, You're a soak. genius, Mike. That would work. Mike, the, you know, Mike that's great. The, the gimmick is great. We'll have a referee as well. We can use Steve Blance as a referee. <laughs> and someone swearing too much, you could wash his mouth out with it. You know, oh as, a, God, as, a finishing as a finishing room. As a finishing room. I just came across this. Jeannie was also in Gene Simmons' Tongue Magazine. And uh, the pictorial yeah. sort of magazine, but it says Magazine on this, on your uh, IMDb, in the oh, headlock. So Jeannie was uh, the queen of the headlock hotties. And I'm trying to just find, when Jeannie referenced Okay, the book on the Kong, Matilda. Matilda, it was called Glamazon Queen Kong, My Life of Glitter, Guts, and Glory, published in 2014. So I'm going to go. Go get it. Gene, I, 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 I want to have you back on the show sometime yeah, thank you. in the future. And I'll so drop better, both of these two, and it's just going to be me and you. And then I can just, you know, think so. I really heard. ask you the questions I wanted to ask you. Mother has to consider protector. I promise that I will come back. I would come back for each and every one of you. I've been um, on Evans before, but I will come back for each three and we can talk. And you guys, thank you for remembering Matilda for all of us. I yes. will, and thank you. Thank you all so much, Thanks, I appreciate dude. it. Have a good right. 2022 until we talk to you again. Oh, thank you Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hey, Jeannie. You guys are so sweet. Oh, she's just saying you guys are so sweet. I, I didn't say one of the nicest people apart from wrestling I, even oh if god she, yes she's one she, of was, she was at our 350 days premiere you know um she came out to new york and yeah. i was at the uh the you, you at you at the um hollywood the, theater the, premiere believe me guys there's an there isn't a, a, a red-blooded male from the 80s that isn't thrilled to talk to hollywood from glow i mean that, that just about every guy in the world would like to have you know, half an yeah, hour. I've been around her so long and have known her since, you know, whatever year it was, 85, 86. She's beautiful inside. She oh, really yeah, she's vivacious. Sweet, she's vivacious. Sweet person, always thinking of others and stuff. So that was why I had her on. I wanted to pay tribute to this, you know, great lady because we lost people. Evan mentioned Dwayne Hickman. I had no idea. So I'm reading the New York Times today, finally getting to a couple of back issues. We're and losing people every day. We just lost Fred Paris from the Five Satins and the, the Ohio Players. Players, the guy from Ohio The legend of legends. What a wonderful voice. One of the most powerful awe-inspiring voices, not just for Be My Baby, but so many other songs, the Christmas song with the Ronettes and um, great. Sonny, Sonny Turner from um, oh. from the Platters. I mean, one after another. And I, I had kind of an awkward experience because um, I publicly stated that 2022 looks like it's going to be another celebrity apocalypse you know like 2016 when prince and everybody died bowie prince and bowie within prince what? and bowie at the top of the list and 50 other people and you know somebody somebody actually used the word not directed at me but in general you know idiots idiots mourn celebrities that they don't know and and i disagree i disagree because one 
it's a cumulative effect. Like I said earlier in the show, I lost six friends during COVID. Um, Buddy, Russ, and Mike lost parents in the past couple of months. So then on top of it, you know, you're mourning to begin with, and then this celebrity that you love died, and th this one. And, 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 you know, we're in media. I've met a lot of these people. I've interviewed a lot of these people. It's more personal. So, and, and but even if you don't know them, a part of you dies when those people that you followed and, and, and they are part of the fabric of your life, like it or not, you know, you track of their musician, like say, I don't know, say Ronnie Spector. I mean, I bought records in the, uh, the sixties and 63 was when I bought my first, uh, 45. And, uh, you know, so they were like the soundtrack for Evan's life, my life. Russ's life. I've probably seen Ronnie Spector a dozen times live. Fred Paris a dozen times. They were always on oldies shows, these package shows where you had five, six, seven acts. Time and time again, you, you, you know, you walk up to them, you get their autograph, you interview them, you know, as a radio host, etc. So on. So there's a there's a real connection. It's not, and, and you know, for somebody to say. You know, you're being negative. You're an idiot. These weren't, you know, people in your life. I, I, I don't, I don't think feelings, emotions, are something that you need to apologize for. I, I just, um, I'll, t I'll tell you, I'll never forget. Um, James Brown died on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, and when it came on the TV, it was like a punch in the face because some of the best nights of my life was seeing James Brown live. Yeah. And the and the one time I met him, I I, um, I asked him to sign his autobiography, and the guy hugged me and he said we're all brothers. Wow! And it was really beautiful, you know. And I I know the guy had his demons, blah blah blah. But my experience with him was beautiful. So Marlon, I got to shake his hand. He came into the crowd and picked her up. We were like in the third row at an outdoor, fantastic in the wine country, outdoor thing. And yeah, it was a lot of white folks, but there were some African-American folks. But he came out and he picks, you know, grabs her by the hand, has her dance with him and hugged her and that stuff. And then shook my hand and went back up. And, and he didn't know me. I wasn't shooting. I was just there to enjoy a total legend who meant a lot to me, who meant a lot to Evan, maybe more so. And when Evan talks about these folks pouring out his heart, you know, it's like keeping them alive. If you don't talk about these people when we lose them, that's kind of when they die, if you're no longer talking about them. But Evan is going a step further, paying tribute to them, honoring them. And I don't think there's anything better than that. So I would be completely on the other side of whoever said that. But obviously, the people in your own life, a mother or something like that, is far different loss than... Uh, of you course, know, of course. But, but the other side of it is, yes, a Sidney Poitier was honored, revered, monetarily compensated. A lot of these jazz, blues, R&B people did not get the fame, the acclaim, the money that they deserve. So, you know, you could walk up to the first uh, thousand people on the street and, and go, Fred Paris died, and probably 995 will go, ooh. Ooh, I don't know who that is, you know? So it's it's nice that you, you honor them and, you know, discuss their achievements and uh, 
what they meant to you. I, I don't. I don't really. Same, same with wrestlers. You know, it, it. The media. The media will. The quote unquote wrestling journalist will, will write thousands and thousands of words on some meaningless raw, which is vanilla, instantly forgettable pablum. Ninety percent of the time. Some indie wrestler will die. Nobody gives two shits about it. They, they don't even mention the guy. It's like, or it's like two sentences. By the way, so-and-so died. It's like, you know, come on. This guy devoted his life, sacrificed to be a wrestler, spent countless hours in the gym training. You know, acknowledge the guy, you know. And, and it's not like it's that difficult to research a person today. You Google them. You, you take a half hour, you got the guy's whole life story in. But, but Raw, they'll write 5,000-word pieces. You know, uh, the Usos wrestled uh, New Day for the 400th time. This is really newsworthy. Yeah, that was last Friday. You're yeah. right. Yeah. That was last Friday. Let me ask Evan, though, and Russ, if you were excited at all, because all of the releases, particularly from WWE, Ring of Honor, who knows if they're really truly, it sounds like they're going to try to return in April because they are having a live show, believe it or not, if it even happens because of COVID around WrestleMania when every company in the world comes in, usually even impact. But the ROH guys now are doing, there's about six, seven, eight of them. Now, Jonathan Grisham was there uh, as well, but he didn't participate in like this uh, invasion angle destroying the impact wrestlers, but all of a sudden impact wrestling is much watched because all the ring of honor folks are there and it's, it's fun. Jonah, who was uh, in NXT from WWE. So impact and NWA and, um, AEW are all benefiting by WWE sucking and releasing all these talents and they're flourishing. We're about to see any week now. I know Tony, uh, Khan is trying to hold back the Briscoe brothers, not Jack and Jerry, but the Ring of Honor Briscoes. Well, look great. They're going to start. Oh, they're incredible. They are going to be uh, working for uh, AEW soon. And, and man, what a talent roster. They have a talent roster that kicks WWE's ass any year you could go back to. You know, what's the Briscoes come in? They are it for singles, for women for tags. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Game Changer Wrestling, the Briscoes are going to their big show next Saturday, and that's going to be on pay-per-view. The main okay. event, the main event's Moxley and Homicide. That's a damn good match. You got Jeff Jarrett, Scotty Tuhati, and the, the, so it's like ECW, when ECW was great, not all death matches, but there are some, you know, some legends, and, and some real classic, fantastic wrestling going on. So they have, you know, it's a hybrid of styles, not just what got GCW to most people's attention, which was all the gore stuff, the Nick Gage. But now they've, they've wisely moved on now, and they're following that. They're the hottest promotion in the world. Everybody's talking about GCW now. They sold out the Hammerstein in no time. So let's let Buddy talk, because he hasn't said much. He looks stunned over there. What's up? Yeah, no, Mike, you've, you've swallowed the mic tonight. You, you, yes. You've pretty much uh, uh, taken it. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you keep saying you're going to leave it up to us for a second, and then we never get there. So... Um, uh, actually, I wanted to, to talk to you, Evan, about you saw uh, Shanghai last night and the, the Ten Rings, the 
Legend of the Ten Rings because you wrote that up in your uh, in your review, and I watched it last night as well. So I, I see a coincidence. Of, yeah, of thought. Well, considering the hundreds of films that you watch, the fact that we watch the same thing on the same night is actually pretty pretty stunning coincidence indeed. Um, so I watched it with my daughter. I wanted to make a comment about that film in particular, but also about films of today because one of the things i've been doing with my daughter is we're going back and watching what i consider like the must watch classics of my day my son doesn't really care about it but my daughter wants to sort of see the movies that i watched when i was around her age and that influenced me so we've watched all sorts of stuff like gremlins and uh the adventures of baron munkhausen and James the Giant Peach, and, and the Batman films, and Superman films. And one thing I'm noticing, especially about the older films, the older films knew kind of when to call it quits and when to stop filming. And most older films are between one and a half hours, two hours maximum. You almost never see an older film, like from, say, 1989 backwards lasting longer than two hours unless it was a biopic but shanghai last night that's about a two and a half hour movie okay didn't you even get the feeling like at a certain point like after about an hour and a half like it should be wrapping up about now and it it doesn't and it overstays its welcome yes um i enjoyed it i thought it was a better than average popcorn film Marvel film. Um, I I love Michelle Yao, Tony Lung. These are like legit martial art film legends. Um, the lead was very likable. Um, Aquafina, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, she's great. I mean, she's all charisma, you know. Um, so I enjoyed it, but at no point, not for one second. That I think the lead was in any danger whatsoever. You know, you just assume it's a franchise like James Bond or whatnot, like Spider-Man. So, so with no danger, there's no real suspense. I wouldn't say any of the fights were on par with a Bruce Lee, Jet Lee, uh, Donnie Yen. I, you know, I'm, I love martial arts films. I go back to Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest down at the grindhouse in chinatown you know uh i mean i go back to the early 70s watching these films so i did not think it was a great martial arts film i thought it was a really entertaining fun popcorn movie that yes they could have shaved off 10 or 20 minutes easily um it is what yeah, it that's is that's my point is that there's just seems to be a problem with modern cinema where they think more is better. And, you know, there's this feeling like if, if people like 10 minutes of a karate fighting scene, well, 20 minutes will make it twice as good. And it isn't always. There, yeah. there are times where you can say, you know what? The, the, the point has been made. These guys are fighting, okay? You don't need to extend out the scene, especially with the CGI effects. You yeah, know, the, CGI, the CGI is overkill. And, and also, like I said, you, you just go, he's not going to die. <laughs> it becomes formulaic. It becomes yeah, formulaic. Yeah, yeah. And you're so you're so expecting the fight scenes that they have really are almost like dance numbers 
in the sense that you know that they they've got no one's just going to punch somebody right away and then that's the end of it. You know, you know that there's going to be she's so if you see that five hundred times, it doesn't make it five hundred times better just to to see somebody dodge a punch. Yeah, there's videos on YouTube with Bruce Lee doing the one inch punch and he knocks the guy like across the room, you know, with a one inch punch. So so if a if a black belt's hitting you five hundred times, it would kill you in real life. It's not the most realistic. What's the big deal with this movie was like Blank Panther, you know, a movie for its genre, African-Americans, although everybody loved it, was entertained by it. But this was finally a movie starring the vast majority of the crew were Asian-Americans. And we look forward to the Jewish one, right? We're going to have we're, we're going to have the Jewish one. That's or right. Or have a golem or something like that. Did you guys watch it on Disney? Is it, were you just streaming it? Oh, I, I got I got it out of the library. It's already on DVD. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The the leap the leap from movie theaters to streaming to to DVD is like 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 nothing. In hours, it takes yeah. hours now. Nothing. Not 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 weeks. Since you mentioned dance, let me just throw this in. I saw the new West Side Story, and it's just magnificent. It, it's 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 a masterpiece. You don't even have to compare it to the original. You can just take it on its own merits. It, it's it's like the most beautiful thing you'll ever see. It's it's um, oh my god, I, you know. And I'm sitting there. Tragically, there's eight people in the theater. Eight. Okay. They said Spider Man did ninety percent of the box office. Spider Man. Every other movie got a fraction of the 10%. Spider-Man did 90% of the box office. West Side Story lost money. It's, uh, you, you, I can't, you Fortunately, know. Fortunately, it was Spielberg, so he can afford to lose it. But, but y- y- your point is made. Yeah, it just, yeah. it just deserves to be seen. It's just, it, it, it's, it's the highest level of art this society can attain. West Side Story. I mean. Wow. Oh man! Um, Every single person in that theater sat there crying and drained, and and didn't have the strength to get up during the credits. That's how I felt after the Forty Nine er game today. By the way, in the same same way, different reason. So, but uh, um, so what do we got to, to to we got a couple more minutes to round out the show here. Let me pull um, our friend, friend of the show. Uh, but anyway, big time memories. That docu series, I think it's season three, and these guys drop every week on YouTube, free at least 50, 60 minute, you know, nothing, two and a half hours documentary on on Detroit wrestling. But these guys went to the Sheik's original home, and his gravesite. That is one uh, of the documentaries. Go to uh, just Google it. Big time memories. The Sheik, the fireball throwing Sheik, Ed Farha, total legend. When you think of the Sheik, this is the real Sheik. Not Iron Sheik, none of the other copycats, not great. Well, there's that other documentary of his that I like to bite people, right? I like to hurt people. I like to hurt people, sorry. When was like a fun because it was um, just the, the Sheik allowed this guy with a camera in there. And that's actually probably one of the all-time great ones, along with uh, 
uh, was it Amazon Queen, the uh, Vivian Vashon wrestler story, Grunt the wrestling, wrestling queen. queen, wrestling queen, wrestling queen. And I then, remember Grunt. I remember Grunt. I that, that was, was when I was just getting started. I I like tried to watch best, every wrestling so movie. The, I the could. was fun as a docu, but for filmed wrestling, 1973, the wrestler, not Evans the wrestler, but this is the Vern Gagne the wrestler. Right. The scene between Rhodes and Murdoch versus Bruiser and Crusher out of this world. Billy Robinson was in that. That one's one to seek out along with, I like to hurt people. If you want to see the Sheik rip up Terry Funk's arm, bloody Dory Funk Jr. and, and uh, Jack Briscoe, and uh, anybody else who was in that promotion, Luis Arriba Martinez. Uh, oh man, it is incredible. And let, me, let me throw this out there before we wrap up. Um, WWE posted that uh, Roman Reigns has been champion 504 days. Gone. And um, I posted, you know, I like Roman Reigns, and that's great. But Bruno was champion for eight eight years, okay? <laughs> eight years. Well, it's just such a different era. I mean, it's such a, you know, it's like comparing complete games from the baseball's early days to nowadays. The game just isn't played that long that way anymore so the whole but then, but then this this is relevant then they said dave Meltzer said that roman reigns had the most four star plus matches in 2021 he had nine four star plus matches so i posted that the great nwa champions flair the funks you know jack briscoe Harley nine Grace, in a month i said i said they had that in a month Nine. Yeah, I, I agree. I yeah. agree. Maybe in a week if they did a couple of double shots. I mean, sure. so, you know, the bar is just set so much lower. So yeah. then, this, then, of course, this young guy starts attacking me. You don't understand those uh, 18 title offenses Reigns had were seen all over the world because of their TV. I said, no, you don't understand that a guy like Bruno kept the promotion going. You know that 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 was what kept the promotion alive. The one and he, he yeah. was facing competitors that were at a much higher level of performance. Well, than, I don't know about that, but Bruno was Vince Senior begged, and Bruno told me this because he used to call me every Sunday. He wanted to know how badly Vince's buy rates and uh, TV ratings were doing. You know, until they snuckered him into doing the Hall of Fame thing. But that's another story. But uh, Bruno was begged to come from Toronto to save the company for Vince Sr. in 63. Buddy Rogers, surprisingly, is fantastic and is beloved, and I knew him well, but he was not drawing as champion and uh, as a heel champion when, you know, Vince Sr. started that. That was his first singles big, you know, champion. Uh, anyway, uh, so he begged Bruno to come back, told Bruno, you know, you can squash Rogers and blah, 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 and he carried that. Not one, I mean, the, the title reign that Evan's talking about, but then he followed it up when Morales started not drawing outside of Madison Square Garden. Three and a half more years. Yeah, his second title reign. And again, I remember, so it was there shooting December 10th, 1973. Bruno took it back from Stasiak, who had just taken it, but eight days from Morales before that. And then went on. The greatest Bruno matches, well, the two great series I saw in his second title reign against Don Leo Jonathan, the greatest big man wrestler ever, and uh, against uh, uh, Spiris Arion, who Evan, you know, saw all of that. I mean, uh, yeah, there, there's no comparison. And like, 
you know, Bruno's matches, you know, Russ is right. There were a lot of great opponents, sometimes not so great smasher Sloan and folks like that. There weren't always, you know, the Toru Tanaka's and uh, the George Steele's in his prime, not the stuff that most people, you know, from 83 on or 82 on think of George Steele. No, this was when he was a really credible heel and so many other ones. And Bruno against Bill Watts in the 60s, against Gene Kaniski at Madison Square Garden. Those were, you know, probably would be five-star matches uh, if you looked at it with today's eyes. Kowalski, Monsoon, Bruno wrestled everybody. Sheik, Purple. And that's the whole thing that Roman Reigns hasn't wrestled everybody. You know, he's had he's had a very select schedule to work with. Now, hey, he's come back from cancer, and and I have all the respect for him in the world. Likeable. You know, he's a nice guy. He is the promotion now. That's the greatest. It's not Roman Reigns. I have the problem with. It's the fanboys, like like Evans talking about, who just I, lo- want- I like Reigns, and I love the Shield, but. You know, a, a guy that has nine nine excellent matches in the course of a year is is not Harley Race. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, just look at Race or Dory Jr. or Terry or Briscoe, as you mentioned, yeah. or Flair. Yeah, Prime Flair. Yeah, yeah. no, they, they fought, and on TV, and they did it for free. They fought on TV, and they fought on TV for free. You didn't even have to, you know, go to a pay per view or a house show. A big house show to see it happen. If Flair you know? wrestled Steamboat fifty times, they had fifty four star plus matches. You know, yeah, right, they, Mike? As simple as yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them, Cornette dubbed me. You know, all of that stuff for Mid Atlantic, but a lot of that stuff was not taped, was not handheld, and uh, you know, sadly, we're we're missing all those those Steamboat Flair classics. Yeah. Uh, just amazing stuff, and the fact I've that been they- watching. I've been going to wrestling almost fifty years. The greatest live match I ever saw was Flair and Steamboat at the Meadowlands. They went thirty-five minutes. It was it was art. It was art. So so now, of course, you got the fanboys going. Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid at Empire. Yeah, I, I saw Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid at the Garden. But, but yeah, that was pretty damn good too, Evan. Though. Oh, that was unbelievable! Unbelievable, ahead of its time. But I, I'm just saying the fanboys today are like, Flair's overrated. It's the same five moves. I'm like, you couldn't have been there. You couldn't have been there. I saw the guy every month in Philly. The guy was phenomenal. It's true. All right. Well, that's that's we we we're at our time limit for this week. Therapy session's over. You can you know we'll check in back on the couch, the virtual couch next week. And uh, uh, thank you everyone for for checking us out. And we'll have another great show next week. Good night, everybody.